and turn to Colossians chapter number 3. And we're going to just look at one verse tonight, Colossians 3 and verse number 15. Colossians 3.15, and as you're finding that, if you join me in standing for reading this one short verse. Colossians 3.15, and the Word of God says this, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Lord, we are thankful for the opportunity to be in your house tonight, and I pray, Lord, you'd help me as I uh, go through this very precious um, verse here in your word, and I pray, Lord, you'd help me to explain it in a way that people will understand and the people will um, apply it, help me as well to apply it to my own life. And I pray, Lord, this verse would be evident in each of our lives and in our church as well. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Well, the title of the message is simply "The Peace of God." Um, not real creative this time, but uh, one that I think definitely uh, fits with this verse. Now, as we've made our way into Colossians chapter number three, uh, remember the the previous passage that we studied over the last couple times. Uh, Paul was really focused on the outward. He was referring to the Christian wardrobe because, look, we're saved and we're risen with Christ, and as a result, then we're instructed to put off the grave clothes of the old man and to put on the grace clothes of the new man. And we saw that in verses uh, really 5 all the way down through 14, but in particular uh, verses 8 through 14. Verse 8 says, put off. Um, verse 10 says, put on. Uh, verse 12 says, put on. And then verse 14, put on. So taking off the grave clothes, putting on the grace clothes. Now, in these next couple verses that we're going to be studying, verses 15, which will be tonight, and then next time we meet, we'll look at verse number 16. These next two verses, he turns his attention to the inward man. And, uh, I mean, the emphasis of verses 8, 9, 10, 12, and 14, I already mentioned, put off all these, uh, put on the new man. Uh, verse 12, put on, therefore. Verse 14, put on charity. But then here in verse number 15, notice the, the, the shift. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And at the end of that verse, it says, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So now the focus is on the inward man. And the first focus here, as he uh, kind of turns his attention to the inward man, is on the peace of God. Now, before we dive too much uh, into uh, this verse, I do want to clarify the difference between peace with God and the peace of God. And there is a little bit of a difference. All right, peace with God is far and away the most important type of peace we could ever have, peace with God. Um, see, way back at the beginning of time when God created man, Adam lived in perfect peace. He, was, he had peace with God. I mean, they had fellowship one with another. They walked with each other in the cool of the day. And it was a wonderful fellowship and relationship. But when sin entered the world, peace 
went out the window. Peace was quickly replaced with fear, and Adam and Eve went and hid themselves and then proceeded to play the blame game, if you remember that. Well, the consequences of this rebellion have passed upon all men, and as a result, you and I were born sinners, enemies of God, without the peace with God. Isaiah 53 and verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Romans 3 tells us, There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. As a result of this, we didn't have peace with God. And uh, perhaps you have heard someone ask you the question or have had someone else um, ask someone else this question. Hey, have you made your peace with God? Now, the truth of the matter is we can't make peace with God on our own. Only Jesus could do that. And praise the Lord, he did do that. That's why he came to this earth and lived in perfect and sinless life. That's why he went to an old rugged cross where he was crucified. He was making a way for you and I to have peace with God. He was removing the barrier that was between us and God. What was that barrier? Um, it was a barrier named sin. See, Jesus came as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Um, and Romans 5 and verse 1 tells us, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, do you have peace with God? In other words, do you have a relationship with God through Christ? And have, has your sin been forgiven? We just talked about, oh, it's wonderful to be a Christian. It's wonderful to uh, have our sins forgiven and to have that peace with God. It is wonderful. And uh, can you sing that with honesty tonight? I hope so. I like the way Paul puts it in Ephesians 2 and verse 14. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. The middle wall of partition being sin. He broke it down when he died on the cross. In Colossians chapter 1, earlier in the book that we're studying, in verse 20, he said, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. So the peace of God is indeed the most important, but the peace, or the peace with God is indeed the most important, but the peace of God is also crucial in our Christian life. See, the peace of God is the internal peace that God gives us in spite of our situation, despite the storms we encounter, and no matter what society throws our direction. The peace of God. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking mostly about tonight. But uh, I would like to just pause here and say, if you do not have peace with God, I would encourage you to get that settled tonight by coming to Jesus Christ and being born again. Um, but for those of us who have been born again, uh, we're going to look and study a little bit about what Paul's trying to say here about the peace of God. Uh, first of all, here as we go through this verse, let's notice here the permission in verse number 15, the, the, the second word in the verse says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The word let here means to allow, uh, to permit, uh, to give, uh, give way for. And, and uh, here's what we're supposed to be doing. We're to give permission for the peace of God to rule in our hearts. See, God desires to give us the peace of God, but he does not force it. The believer is to submit and to allow it. 
And so don't, don't move past this, this, this word here, let the peace of God. That's the permission. And the tense here speaks, speaks to continually giving permission for the peace of God to rule in our hearts, not just a one-time event. It's not like salvation. Salvation is a one-time event where we uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and then we're saved, we're born again. It's a one-time event. But when it comes to letting the peace of God rule in our heart, it's not just a one-time decision that we make. It's a continual decision that we ought to be making every day. On November 8th, one month from yesterday, today is October 9th. Yesterday was October 8th, and one month from now, from yesterday, I should say, our state will cast their vote for who will govern the state of Oklahoma for the next four years. Well, friend, there's another election that happens in each of us as believers every single day. The election of what will govern our hearts. Will it be fear? Anxiety, worry, stress, sin, or is it going to be the peace of God? Everything desires to have that place in our life, the, 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 the place that is ruling and, and, and governing. But Paul here says we're to cast our vote to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. So um, I would encourage us, you say, I'm not a registered voter, I'm only... I'm not, I'm not even voting age. It doesn't matter. You and I still, when it comes to this peace of God, you and I are all voting age if we're a believer. And we need to every day decide and cast our vote continually to allow the peace of God to rule in our hearts. So we see here the, the permission, but then notice uh, secondly here the presiding. The presiding. In verse number 15, he goes on to say, let the peace of God there's a four-letter word that starts with R. What is that word? Let me try that again. Let the peace of God, there's a next word, starts with R, it's four letters. What is it? There we go. That's a little better. Okay. And uh, I, I didn't really do a good job setting you up for that. Um, so I'll, I'll, that, that's on me. But let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Uh, what is the word rule? It means to preside. It means to govern. It means to be the one that decides all matters in the hearts of believers. It also really means, when you look it up in a Strong's Concordance, it will also say to sit as an umpire. To sit as an umpire. Now, I have here um, a shirt that I'm going to go ahead and put on. And uh, no booing me, okay? I know these guys typically get booed, the zebra guys. But here's a referee shirt. And what the peace of God is supposed to be in our lives, it is supposed to be the umpire. It's supposed to be a referee that, that, that governs. Okay, so here's the deal. When a situation arises in your life and fear starts to come in, and we're tempted to start to fear and panic and stress out. The, the peace of God is, acts as a referee and blows the whistle. I'm not going to do it real loud because my microphone's on. And say, no, we're not going to go there because that's not the peace of God. 
That, that's, not, that's not what you need to have in your life. Um, when a temptation comes in to sin and you begin to entertain it, the peace of God throws a penalty flag and says, Nope. Flag on the play. We're not going to go there because if you go down this road and commit this sin, then the peace that you have with God is going to be tweaked. You're not going to have the fellowship that God wants to have with you. And so the peace of God acts as a, as a ruler, as a governor, as an umpire, a referee in our lives. And that's what we're to allow him to have that place in our life. And we kind of say, well, wait a minute, I don't want the peace of God ruling in my life. I like to be the one in charge of my life. I mean, my body, my choice, my, this is my life. You don't get, we're to allow the, whole, the, the, the peace of God to have the place in our hearts that rules and governs and filters all these thoughts that we might have, the fear and, and, uh, and sinful thoughts. We're, we're, we're to let him be the one to say, nope, time out. This is not going to work. We're to allow him to have that place. Now, did, did the Apostle Paul know anything about what he's writing about here? Well, if you remember, where was the Apostle Paul when he wrote the book of Colossians? He wasn't writing it on an island sipping a lemonade. Okay, He was chained to a Roman soldier, and he wasn't sure whether or not he would make it out of this situation alive. He was really waiting for Nero to make the decision and whether he was going to believe the false accusation against him. What was he going to do with this? Did he let fear or anxiety rule in his heart at that point? No, instead he allowed, he uh, let the peace of God take over and to say, hey, nope, I'm going to make sure that this, you're going you're gonna to make decisions that are going to keep the peace of God going. And if Paul can do it in the circumstances that he was in. Friend, you and I can do it in ours. By the way, the peace of God, this isn't the main meaning here. I already kind of explained the main meaning of it, but here's a side meaning of it. The peace of God should be the rule in our hearts, not the rare exception. Although sometimes I'm afraid in my life it's the other way around. I hope that it's not for you, though. I hope that the peace of God does rule your heart, and that no matter what goes on around you, you have the peace of God. So, the presiding, I'm going to go ahead and take off the referee shirt here. So, we see the presiding, the permission. Then, as we continue on through verse number 15, let's look at the place. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So the place that we're to allow the peace of God to rule is within, not without. Too many people want there to be peace in the circumstances of life. But sadly, circumstances don't always bring peace, do they? I read about a submarine that came into port after being underwater for a long time. And the crew was, when they, when they arrived to, to port, 
Everybody who, who was there at port asked the crew how they endured the horrible storm that hit them the night before. And they replied, what storm? You see, they had been anchored so deep, they never even realized that there had even been a storm up above. And that's a good picture for how we, you and I should be. We should be so anchored in Christ that it doesn't matter what storms are going on around us. We have peace in our heart because we have allowed and cast the vote for peace to take over. Jesus said in John 16, These things have I spoken unto you, that in, ye, in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So in Christ we can have peace, because remember, Jesus, one of his names that he was going to be called is the Prince of Peace. In him we can have peace, and yes, in the world, we're going to have some storms that are going to come and go. We're going to have tribulation, but we can still have peace when we are anchored into our relationship with God. In 1555, Dr. Nicholas Riley was sentenced to be burned at the stake in England because of his witness for Christ. On the night before Riley's execution, his brother offered to remain with him in the prison chamber to be of assistance and comfort. Nicholas Riley declined the offers by saying, I intend, God willing, to go to bed and sleep as quietly tonight as ever I did. See, because he knew the peace of God, he could rest in the strength of the everlasting arms of his Lord to meet his need. In the time when circumstances were not peaceful, he still could have peace because peace was inside. That was the place of peace. If you hold your place here in Colossians and go back to Acts chapter number 12, I want to show you another instance where something similar happened to one of the apostles. Acts chapter number 12, and verse number 1, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James the brother of John with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison, delivered him to four uh, quartarians of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was, what's the next word? Are you looking there? Sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. Now, would you be able to sleep between two soldiers, bound with two chains? That probably wouldn't be the most comfortable place to sleep. Now, I know if you get tired enough, you're going to sleep anywhere. But Peter also was about to be executed. The next day, that was the plan. And we know that he ended up being delivered out of there miraculously by the angel of God. But in the circumstances that were crazy, Peter was able to sleep. Why? Because he had the peace of God ruling in his heart. Now, you can flip back to Colossians 3. Here's the deal. What's going on in your life? 
Is it crazy? It very well might be. But can you still have peace in the midst of all of that craziness? Yes, you can if you let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I do want to give a caveat, though, about peace in the heart. And I like what Warren Worsby said about the danger of a false peace in the heart. Maybe you've said, you've heard someone say this. Maybe you've said it too. I have peace about it, making a decision. I, I, I have peace in my heart about making this particular decision. Well, here's what Warren Worsby said about the danger of false peace in the heart. He said, Jonah deliberately disobeyed God, and yet he was able to go, go to sleep in the hold of a ship in a storm. He said, I had peace about it is not sufficient evidence that we are in the will of God. We must pray, surrender to his will, and seek his guidance in the scriptures. The peace of heart alone is not always the peace of God. That's a good caveat. And, and I've heard people defend their disobedience with that. I have peace about it. Someone, uh, I, I have heard someone say something to the effect of, God, I have peace about divorcing my spouse when we know that that's not within the will of God. I have peace about stop I, I, about not coming to church. Uh, I need to pull away from the things of God. I have peace about it. I just need to take a break and have some me time. Uh, no, Jonah, that's not the peace of God. So uh, when, we, when we have peace in our heart, we need to understand that it's not always the peace of God. Sometimes, um, so, so just give you that little caveat there, okay? Um, that's a very poor thing to just only bank your decisions upon is the peace that you feel inside about doing something that you know the scriptures say, no way, Jose. All right? But for... When we're facing difficulties and challenges and trials and, and, and everything's crazy, we can still have peace in our heart and it, despite no, no matter how crazy things get because the peace is within the place. All right, number four here as we continue on through this verse, let's look at the practice. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And then here's this phrase that a lot of times gets missed when this verse is talked about. And that is this middle statement here, to the which also ye are called in one body. See, we are called to one body, and Paul is referring to the church. Um, see, the peace of God in our hearts should then mean that we practice peace with others within the body of Christ, the church, with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. See, it's not just meant to be internal, it's also meant to be external. The members of a healthy body should dwell together in unity and peace. For instance, if a man starts biting his arm, if he goes, hmm, that looks delicious, and he starts biting his arm, you're going to think, something's a little off with that body. Or if that same man takes a hammer and starts hitting his head with, his, with the hammer, you're going to think, why is he doing that? Why is he hurting himself? There's something wrong with that body. Okay? And, and we'd be right. But such is the same with the body of Christ. We ought not to bite each other. 
hit each other over the head with a hammer. Uh, we're to be at peace with one another. Um, see, within a church, there are aspects that are important to define the health of that church. A lot of people look to how big the church is, the size of it, the financial stability of it, the outreach ministries of the church, their facilities, how many buildings they have, their location, their ministries, their ministers. But here, as Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, one of the most important marks of a spiritually healthy church is when its members dwell together in peace and harmony and unity. And when there is genuine love and care for one another, that's a mark that that's, that church is spiritually healthy. Now, obviously, one way we could enjoy peace would be to live in isolation from all other Christians. To be like a lot of people in Montana who kind of have their property and they have like all kinds of signs up there, no trespassing. You come on this property, I shoot, you know, and uh, here's your fair warning and all kinds of all kinds of signs that they have there, and they just don't want anyone to bother them, and they're not going to bother you, so you better not bother them. That's one way to live in peace, to be a reclusive Christian. But that's not what we're called to. In verse number 15, it says, To the which also ye are called in one body. See, as believers, we're called to be part of a body, a local assembly, the local church. And in our case, it's called Cornerstone Baptist Church. We're, we're to be part of this church. And uh, we can have peace within this church. Um, and if we have peace in our hearts, then we will endeavor and strive to be at peace with others. In one Peanuts cartoon, Lucy says to Charlie Brown, I hate everything. I hate everybody. I hate the whole wide world. Charlie says, but I thought you had inner peace. And Lucy replies, I do have inner peace, but I still have outer obnoxiousness. Okay? Well, 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 Lucy, I have news for you, okay? If we do indeed have the peace of God ruling in our hearts, then it, and it will show outwardly as well. We'll want to work at practicing peace with others, peace within the body of Christ. Romans 12 and verse 18 says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Live peaceably with all men. With all men. With those at home. And you ladies are like, well, I don't have to live peaceably with all women, praise the Lord. No, it means everybody, okay? It's not gender specific, really. It means with just everyone. With those at home. Uh, yes, we are to uh, live peaceably with those at home, our spouse, our parents, our children. Yes, even our siblings, we are to be at peace with them as well. With those at church, our brothers and sisters in Christ, our pastor, our youth pastor, our deacons, everybody in our church, we're to... Uh, as much as possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men, our neighbors, our co-workers, all men. Hebrews 12 and verse 14 says, Follow peace with all men 
Romans 14, 19, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and, ther- and things wherewith one may edify another. Ephesians 4, 3, Ende- Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And you say, if that's not enough for you, here's the words of Jesus Himself in Mark 9 and verse 50, Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltness, wherewith will you season it? Have salt in yourselves, and have peace one with another. So the practice of peace means that we are not just to have peace in our hearts that helps us go through trials and tribulations, but we're also to be at peace with one another, the body of Christ in which we're called to. Because this verse was written to a church family. And I want to encourage our church family to be at peace with one another. No fun being a part of a church family when we're full of division and and tension and and uh, where there's things people have against each other and, and unforgiveness. It's no fun to be a part of a church family like that. But it's wonderful to be part of a church family where there's unity and closeness and peace with one another. I want to encourage our church family to have that. And then number five, as we conclude this verse here, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be thankful. And that is number five, the praise. The praise. See, peace in the heart always produces praise on the lips. So when there is indeed peace in our hearts, gratitude is going to come forth. And I know we're not in November yet. And we're not supposed to talk about giving thanks for another 23 days. But hey, we sang Joy to the World this morning, so uh, I'm kind of in a disruptive mood today, so we're going to kind of do things out of order. But no, seriously, we're to be thankful all year long. It should be a mark of our lives as believers. We're to be thankful. Hebrews 13, 15, By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Psalm 104, 100 and verse 4, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And look, when you stop to consider all that God did to make a way for you to have peace with God, and when you consider that God gives us his peace, that want, he, he desires that his peace would rule in our hearts, it should produce a thankful heart. So I hope that, yes, even in October, we can still give thanks. Here's a, we'll end with a, a quick poem, and then, and then if you would turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. We'll end with that verse, but um, I want to read this little poem here. And I don't really know where it fits, so I just thought I would put it at the very end. And just throw it out there for you. I thought it was a, a good thought. By Henry Van Dyke, he, it's simply titled Peace. It says, With eager heart and will on fire, I fought to win my, with, win my great desire. Peace shall be mine, I said. But life grew bitter in the weary strife. My soul was tired and my pride was wounded deep. To heaven I cried, grant me peace or I must die. The dumb stars glittered no reply. 
Broken at last, I bowed my head, forgetting all myself, and said, Whatever comes, His will be done. And in that moment, peace was won. See, what Henry Van Dyke was saying is when you go chasing peace and chasing your will and, and, and once you get what you want, then you're going to have peace. No, when you decide to let God have his will done, that's when peace will come. I think that was a good thought. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, look in verse number 11. Paul here is saying goodbye to the church at Corinth, and he says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind as a church. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be thankful. I hope that tonight you'll decide to permit the peace of God to preside in the place of your hearts and to practice it within this church family and then to cause you to praise Him. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you so much for the peace of God that you've given to us. Thank you also for making a way for us to have peace with God. What a blessing it is to know that we can have a relationship with you through Christ, and our sins can be forgiven, and we have peace with you. And Lord, it's, it's no fun when we know that we're not right with you. And Lord, if there's somebody here tonight that's not right with you, uh, they're not saved, or maybe they are saved and they're living in sin, oh, I pray that they would get that settled tonight. Lord, I know we've got our revival services coming up next week, but well, we don't need to wait till then to, to get right with you. We can get right with you tonight. And I pray, Lord, we would. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to all give you permission. Uh, give the peace of God permission to rule in our hearts, to cast our vote every day continually, that the peace of God would take that place of authority in our life. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to, as a result, have peace with one another. And then, Lord, I pray that it would produce a great praise for you. Help us, Lord, to be so thankful for all the many blessings you've given to us. And when we, have really, when we really have peace in our hearts, we're going to be thankful. I pray, Lord, that that would be the case in each of our lives.